Um, I want us to think about something uh, this morning that I think uh, we all need a lot more of. You see it there on the screen. How many of you could testify this morning that you, you could use a little bit more grace and peace in your life? Anybody out there just... Your, your tank's not quite as full as it could be on the grace and peace measure. Our world certainly needs it. Um, in, the, in, the, in the New Testament especially, Paul just seems to, uh, to go down this road with this notion of grace and peace that he just, he just can't seem to, well, some might call it writer's block. And uh, I just wanted to share with you uh, because maybe you've realized this, maybe you haven't. If you've read through the New Testament lately, you've caught on to this, especially uh, Paul's letters. But listen to how much this, this phrase, grace and peace, is so vital to Paul, who wrote somewhere in the neighborhood of two-thirds of the New Testament. In, uh, in Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, he says... I Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. I've only got five more pages. No. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seems to be pretty important to him. Grace and peace. 
I think if we ran into Paul or, and one of these days when we run into him in heaven, he just might say, grace and peace to you. Or he may rephrase it a little bit. This is grace and peace. It's just, it's all this is. It's everywhere. Grace and peace. We, we need it. It's, it's essential. We, we long for it. We search for it. Books are written about it. People will go to the greatest of links. How many of you like vacations? Typically, at the heart of those, I mean, you know there's going to be some things inherent with that, but one of your hopes, I imagine, somewhere along the way is, boy, I hope for some peace. And when things go crazy and I, things I didn't expect or things I didn't plan for, I'm going to really need some grace. And I hope I get that and I hope I give that. Grace and peace. Either Paul was in a major rut, couldn't think of any other good phrase or another way to say hello, or this really meant something to him and he was very intentional about using this phrase i checked about eight different translations and it's it's grace and peace everywhere that's interesting you don't find that too. those of us who deal with a whole lot of different translations of the bible you know you can get you if you if you look at eight different translations you might get eight different words stuck in there but with this it's grace and peace every time in other words the translators there's no there's no other way to say it there's no better way to say it it connects it speaks to every person, everywhere, grace and peace. This was a customary greeting. Paul wouldn't have been the only one that would have used it. It, was, it would have been pretty common throughout the Roman world. It would have been our version of hello or how are you, but they would have greeted one another that way. Grace and peace to you. I don't know why it fell out of common usage. I wish it hadn't. I wish it was still the most common thing for us and the most valued thing for us to, to receive and to give grace and peace. So let's, uh, let's unpack this just a, a little bit this morning. Grace. What is, what is grace? You, if you greet your neighbor and, and uh, I tell you what, let's just, let's just do this real quick. I, I don't do this very much with you. But turn to someone next to you and give them your best definition of grace. Ready? Go. Your best definition of grace. All right. Grace. How uh here's here's some ways that here's some ways that it's been traditionally defined. I think I even heard uh, some of this uh, back there in the crowd. The unmerited favor of God. Anybody get that one? I think I heard it a couple of places. The, un, the unmerited favor of uh, pardon. The word pardon for uh, gift, free gift. It's you know it's, it's it's grace. You don't. Well, what do I owe you? No, no, it's grace. It's grace. You don't owe me anything for it. It's grace to you. Here, here's here's another way. God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Aren't you thankful for that? God does not treat us as our sin. Boy, somebody said it. that's a good word too. So should we treat others as their sins deserve? Man. There's nothing. Hear me. 
Grace means there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do or ever will do or have done to make him love you less. Why? Because grace is a part of his character. It's just how he operates. You and I touch it every now and then. You and I have a moment every now and then where we're gracious. It's who he is. It's, it's the very, and, and, the, and the worst thing we do sometimes is we question his grace sometimes. We question his forgiveness. We question his love. We question his, you wouldn't believe, maybe you would, the number of people that, that I encounter that will have a conversation and, and they will literally ask this question. God couldn't love me. And in my mind, I just, what? He is love. It's, it's like saying a fish can't swim. It's, it's the very essence of who he is. But, we, but the, the enemy will lie to us, right, and deceive us and, and, and tear at our hearts and, and make us believe the one thing that there's no way. If we understand who God is at all, there's no way that can be true. He is grace. Grace means the favor given to someone who deserves the opposite. You ever been put in that situation? You deserve this, but I'm going to choose to give you the opposite. You, you deserve punishment. You deserve to pay this back or to feel terrible or guilt or pain or whatever it might be. You, you deserve that, or at least I, I feel like you deserve that. But a choice is going to be made to give you grace. What, what does it mean to say to someone, may God treat you better than you deserve? May God treat you better than you deserve. Have, have you ever responded to someone that way? Let me, let me put it this way. I guarantee you you're going to have an opportunity this next week. Somebody is going to say something or do something or post something and by God's power and love flowing through you, Lord willing, he will give you, well, he's willing. You, you being obedient, you'll be able to say, may God treat you better than you deserve. We got some work to do here this morning. I've noticed that a lot of folks, and I'm, I'm right there in it, I'm on social media, and I love to see what's going on in people's lives and keep connected to family and friends across the miles and across the distances, but I've learned that people can take on a whole different character when they're behind a screen and a keyboard or, whatever, or their phone or whatever they're using. They can be brave and say things that they would never otherwise say. Definitely wouldn't say it to your face. May God treat you better than you deserve. Hmm. How, how might that affect your world? If you, uh, does God need to work on your heart in that area? To say, you know what? The truth is, most of my, most of my world revolves around fair is fair and just is just. And, and man, whatever somebody has coming to them, uh, I, will, I will be the great lawgiver. I'll, I'll settle the scores. I'll, it's it's got to be 
Or, or does the love of Christ dwell in me and the attitude of Christ live in me so richly that, that it's almost an instinct for me to say, I pray that you receive better than you deserve. Let's turn it one more time. Where would you be right now if God only treated you the way your life and thoughts and words and actions deserved? And what kind of response is it to the grace of God if I'm not willing to turn around and offer that grace to other people? If, uh, there, and there's stories in Scripture about this, but let's just, let's just say your child walked up to you. I think me and the girl, some of the girls had a little bit of a conversation about this, maybe just yesterday. Walked up to you and said, hey, can I have a dollar? There's something I, you know, there's candy or whatever, whatever it is I want. Okay, here's a dollar. And then you watch them turn around and have one of their siblings say, Hey, could I have a quarter of that dollar to get me a piece of gum? And they say, Get out of here. It's my dollar. It's not yours. They gave it to me. You go ask them for a dollar. It's my dollar. I don't, I'm just making it up as I go. But how, what, would your, what would your instinct be to think of their behavior? Are you serious? You just received a gift and you're going to turn around and be stingy and be greedy and not be willing to respond with a gift as you have been given to? It's the very opposite of grace, right? What would it mean... For us to look out upon our world without any judgment and say, may God treat you better than you deserve. Because he's sure done that for me. He's sure done that for me. Grace. The unmerited favor of God. God treating you better than you ever deserved to be treated. Peace. What is peace in the, in the Hebrew. Well, hey, 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 y'all did pretty good the first time. Turn to your neighbor. Give them your best definition. What is peace? What is peace? Ready? Go. Some of you might be thinking peace would be not having my neighbor talk to me back and forth while I'm <laughs> if they'd leave me alone, I could listen to the message. <laughs> in, in, in the Hebrew, it means probably something quite a bit different than you're thinking. Most of us, I think, would probably fall in the category of saying, well, peace is quiet, calm, the absence of conflict, or uh, discord, fighting, the absence of that, that, that not being there. Peace is, you know. You know what it means in the Hebrew? Wholeness. I'm complete. In other words, until everything is as it should be, there's no peace. Think about the parent who 
might be having the most calm, uneventful day of their life, but they have a child that's out far from the Lord, wandering in sin. You think there's real peace in their life just because everything is calm and nothing's happening that day? No. In their heart, there's discord. There's something broken. There's something incomplete. There's something that's not as it should be. And so there's a lack of peace. Peace as it would have originally been understood in Paul's day and to those who would have heard it is all the pieces working together as they should. In, in the New Testament, in the Greek, the word for peace is always in the present tense. Except for one time. There's only one time it's not in the present tense. But it's, it's peace and wholeness. And it's not, just, it's not just may God somehow, someday work this out. It's may you have it now. May you have it now. Peace. Grace and peace to you. May it be yours right now. What would it mean for us to say to someone... May God take the broken pieces of your life and put them back together again. Some of us have experienced that. You've gone through terrible brokenness. You've gone through terrible valleys. And you've, you've, you've just trusted in the Lord and continued to walk with Him long enough to experience how he, He's not going to rewind time and undo everything that's been done, but He can put, take those broken pieces of your life and put them together in a new way, in a new fashion, to bring peace. We know that God works all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. All things aren't good. He works all things together for good. Peace. Your wholeness. You see, it's, it's the very essence of why Jesus went to the cross. There was a brokenness. Sin had broken our relationship with God the Father. The whole mission of Jesus was to bring back peace. To put back together what had been broken by sin. To restore. It's, it's His mission for every life. For you. For me. To restore us back to the Father as we were prior to sin. Breaking and violating that relationship. Peace. What does it mean for you to say to someone, may God take the broken pieces of your life and put them back together again? Someone probably needs to hear this, and maybe they're sitting right beside you, so let's not neglect to do it together corporately this morning. Would you just turn to somebody and just tell grace and peace to you? Just say it to them. Think about what you, think about what you just said to them. Some of you are struggling because it's just the awkwardness of, well, I don't, I'm not used to doing this, or I'm not, that kind of, I'm not that kind of person. But you just literally said to your neighbor, may God treat you better than you deserve. And may God take the broken pieces of your life and put them back together. Do you realize what you just offered to someone next to you? You might have literally just turned around their week their day, their life. Grace and peace to you. Here's, here's one of the most interesting things, and, and if, you've, if you've learned about Paul at all, you know this, is, this colors everything that he writes. He, he writes 
from prison. I'm in chains for the gospel. And he's not just in any prison. He's in a, a Roman period, a prison. He, he most, most only survived, uh, most of the people in those prisons only survived a few weeks. And only that if their friends brought them food. You see, once upon a time we believed that if you went to prison, you lost everything. Food. They barely just gave you shelter. So unless you, unless you had some friends or people on the outside who would come and slip a morsel of bread or something through the bars, you didn't even eat. The Romans weren't going to take you. You violated the law. You, we're not going to take time to feed you. So most just simply starved to death within a few weeks of being in prison. And Paul is under threat of an immediate death sentence, and he still continues to write grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you, my brothers and sisters. Grace and peace to you. The, the church in Philippi offered to help Paul because he could not provide for himself. You know what they were offering to him? Grace, peace. Grace is all that God has ever done for us through Jesus. And peace is the byproduct of that amazing grace being extended to us. Let me say that one more time. Grace is all that God has ever done for us through Jesus. You want another definition for Jesus? It's grace. He, he can't, God, God didn't have to. Nobody forced God's hand and say, you have to send your only son into the world to die for those people. There's nobody that could reign over him and say, God, you have to do this whether you want to or not. It's his grace that looked down upon you and upon me and said, they need a savior. And I will send my only son. They don't deserve it. They'll never be able to earn it. They'll never be able to do enough, say enough, work enough, anything like that, ever. They will never be able to earn this or deserve it. In fact, there will be some behaviors that, that continue to try to rebel against it. But I'm sending my son. Grace. Grace. And just, just so that we don't get off base sometimes with this... Let's just be reminded, Jesus came and died for everyone. Everyone. The worst person in history that you can think of. Jesus cared and loved and came for that person. You may not like it. You may not agree with it. You may not think it's fair. But God chose in his sovereignty to say, I love them all. God, help us to have a heart that looks out. And when we, when we hear of a horrible story, when we hear of unspeakable behavior for, from someone, not that we have to like it or have to enjoy it, but may there be something in our hearts as followers of Christ that say, may God treat you better than you deserve. And may God take the broken pieces of your life and put them back together again. How would, how, how would our world change if we would look at each other like that, instead of saying, well, uh, you know, you had a chance, you blew it, I hope you get what's coming. You, you sure earned it. You sure deserve it. I've been on the receiving end of that. I, and I know I earned it. I know I deserved it. I, you know, my dad is not God. <laughs> He's, he has a little bit different grace system. 
I've tried to go back and remind him of that, and it has done me zero good, just so you're aware. Um, Dad taught me uh, from behind, and uh, <laughs> ever had somebody say, I got your back? <laughs> Dad sure did. <laughs> Everything back there. And, uh, I, could, I would have loved to have had some grace and peace in some of those moments. But somebody was telling me who was somebody was telling me a story about a time they tried to keep. I'm I'm feeling Jack just even th thinking about it. It's the reminders coming back. But they were they were telling me how they they uh, got in the way of a parent administering the discipline. So you don't ever want to do that. That just doubles it up. So that's all it does. But God doesn't treat us that way. Not that we don't need discipline, and certainly, don't, I'm, not, I'm not getting out of line with Scripture. He, he, the Lord disciplines and chastens those whom He loves. But think about this. What do we deserve? The Bible says, if, if God treated us the way we deserve, He'd look at BJ and say, that's what you deserve. Not a little punishment, not a little swat, not a little... Done. Dead. You don't, you don't deserve anything. If he lets you live, that's grace. If he says, Tr try again, that's grace. If he, if he doesn't show us what our sins deserve, it's grace. So no matter where or what we find ourselves in, don't you need a little more grace and peace in your life? Here's the hardest part of it. You may have th thought it got difficult already, but here's the hardest part of it. I think there's a direct correlation between the grace and peace we have and receive and the grace and peace we're willing to give. When, when God talks about forgiveness, He says this, if, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. I think it just stands completely to reason. You don't show grace, why should grace be given? You don't, you don't give peace, you're not willing to extend peace. And God's the only one that can be the rightful judge of that. Here's the reality. These are troubling, troubling times in our world and our nation. If you haven't noticed that, they are. And more than ever, the people of God, Christians, need to be people of grace and peace. Please don't just hang out in the realm of criti being critical of everything that happens. I know it's bad. Chicago, Cook County, Spring uh, Illinois, the state, the nation, the world... We, we get it. We understand. Now, what are we going to do and how are we going to respond as the people of God? It's not, a, it's not a news flash to anyone that our world is broken. What we need is how are the people of God going to respond in a Christ-like manner? And here's what I believe it is. Grace and peace to you. What does this look like? Very quickly, let me share this with you. There was, there was a father who had forgotten his son's birthday. So he went to his son's school. He asked the principal, could you call him to the office? That was not, he's still not any better. Uh, the bell, so the bell rings and the son comes down the hall with his friends, gets to the office, and his dad says, son, I forgot your birthday. I'm sorry. I just want you to know I love you. Puts his hand in the air. 
His son just leaves him hanging. Son steps up to his dad and wraps his arms around him. Says, I know, Dad. It's okay. It was a busy morning. It was crazy. I never, I never doubted that you love me. I'm glad you came. You know what that dad just received? Grace, peace. Changed his whole day. Grace, peace. There was uh, another dad. I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself drawn to these stories about the experiences of dads a lot more these days. But there was a dad who was off at work, and the phone rang, and it was his daughter. He said, what's going on, sweetheart? And she said, I have a question. And he said, okay, what's that? She said, is there supposed to be water coming from the light in the kitchen? <laughs> she love that one? <laughs> no, sweetheart. <laughs> Goodbye, I'll be right there. And he hung up the phone, and sure enough, the upstairs bathroom, the toilet had overflowed, and water was going down and finding its way any way it could get downstairs. It was coming. It was an absolute mess. Not just in the bathroom, but everywhere it could run in between and down all over the place. They didn't know what they were going to do. And thankfully, through the powers of social media, word gets out. <laughs> That's the kind of news you want spread around town, don't you? You just hope that everybody knows your toilet's overflowing and you've got a disaster at home. But the doorbell rings. It's a couple from their church. They're holding a mop. Rings again. It's another couple. They brought fans and towels. Doorbell rings again and again and again. And before long, there's 25 people in their house cleaning and doing anything and everything they can. A few of them even felt like helping them out to get a few things out of their refrigerator. So, you know, they just, everybody was doing their part. But in that moment, a dad, this dad stops and looks around, realizing what's happened, what's going on. Chaos turns into 25 people showing up to help out and do whatever they can. You know what that dad experiences? Grace, peace. Here's the thing I want you to see from that. We can make the mistake that grace and peace is nothing more than just simply us saying, I'll pray for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's the most vital thing, and it ought to be the very first thing <clears throat> that we do. But grace and peace also looks like you and I stepping into other people's lives and saying, how can I offer grace? How can I offer peace to you? I, I don't just want you to know that it's available. I want you to be able to experience it because I've experienced it. And I'm going to need it again somewhere down the road. And when the church is at its best, that's what the church does we share life together even the the dirty toilet bowl water part of life we share it all together we do whatever we can to help one another the the church offers and experiences grace and peace together i think i uh i think i need to tell you one more thing i think i've heard from the lord right on this Grace and peace is not based on your circumstances. You've heard me say this more than once. If you measure the level of grace and peace and joy and hope by your circumstances, you're always going to be disappointed. 
There's what you measure your grace and peace by. I've, I, when, when the Lord impressed this on me years ago, it changed my whole experience from one day to the next. I can wake up in the morning, and if the phone rings and somebody tells me as bad a news as I could have predicted, what God has helped me to develop, and it's a maturity thing, but what God has helped me to develop in my life is the ability to say, but is God still on the throne? Is Jesus still the Savior of the world? Has anything changed with the, with the resurrection power that lives within him? No. Then I can get through this. I can take another step. I can live through this. He will give me grace and peace for this moment. Not, be, not because of my circumstances, but because of what he's done. Because of who he is. It's his presence living in me. We need grace and peace more than ever. What if you said to someone, what if someone said to you, may God treat you better than you deserve. I'm praying for you to know his grace in your life. You need it. We need it. We all need it. What if we did something tangibly to offer grace to someone in our life? And what if you looked at someone, what if, you, what if they heard your words as the words of God and said, you know, I'm really praying and trusting that God's going to take the broken pieces of your life and put them back together again. We need that. We all need that. And in that way, we become ministers to one another. Paul wrote to those people in a day when the challenges were greater, as bad as we may think it is now, we can't even understand the oppression they were under. What, what, what Rome was leveraging against the people of God. But Paul knew, and he would say it, you heard it, over and over and over again. Because it was the most important thing they needed in their lives. Grace and peace to you. May God treat you better than you deserve. Thank God that he does. And may God take the broken pieces of your life, put them back together again. And folks, by faith we can trust him and he will. Amen? He will. Would you stand with me this morning? You've been so uh, kind and, and patient this morning to let me share with you what uh, God's put on my heart. I told Pastor BJ this morning, I learned long ago and was taught, and I believe it's true, for every message that God puts in the heart of a man or woman to share with anyone any congregation of any size, anywhere, there are three crucial components. The presence of God, nothing, nothing else happens of any, of any significant merit whatsoever without His presence. The preparation of that person who's giving the message, and then the obedience of those who hear to respond the way God would have them to. I, I, I have absolutely zero doubt of God's presence, because He promised it. I pray that I've done all I could to prepare. Now, it's just a matter of will we be obedient to go out. And for some of us to receive grace and peace or to offer grace and peace may be the hardest thing you've done in a long time. Because you've been for far too long listening to the enemy and he's just thrown life at you from every angle. Your circumstances, the ups, the downs, and that's what you've been measuring everything by. It's been easier for you to see that than it has been to see how much you're loved, all that he's done for you, all the grace and all the peace 
that he's made available to you. So I want to challenge you this morning. Uh, this may mess with some of us a little bit. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't want to even call you to an altar. I want you to think about one other person. Probably not here. Maybe they are. But one other person that you can some way, somehow, through your words, through your actions, in this next week, share the grace and the peace of God with them. Be intentional about it. Pray. Ask God, who is it? And then be obedient to him. When he does. You will be blessed, and it may literally change their life. Father, help us to respond to you with the same measure of grace and peace that you have poured into our lives. Thank you for it. We bless your name. You are worthy of all of our praise and all of our honor. But may we, may we worship you far beyond the walls of this church. As we go out from here, may we respond to the political climate, the relationship climate, the, the financial world, the, the sports world, everything in our lives that circles around us, the family issues, relationship situations, jobs, everything that we deal with, school and work and homework and competition and, and everything that we face, may we respond to it as agents of change for your glory by extending grace and peace when otherwise there's just been turmoil and, and discontent and, and hard feelings and broken relationships, let us truly be the church this week as we receive your grace and peace and we share it with the world around us. May it start here within these walls. We thank you for how it's already so evident among so many of us. May it increase and may it grow and may we be able to come back into this place next week and share some testimonies with one another. You wouldn't believe how God opened a door for me to offer grace and peace to someone this week. We'll forever be grateful to you for it all. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. 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 God bless you as you go.